Hello coders, welcome to episode 203 of the How to Code Well podcast. Now today we're going to be talking about where to find work in the software development industry and I'm going to be taking some excerpts from the book that I'm currently writing about getting in the software development industry. Some of this I'm not sure if I'm going to actually include in the book. This is kind of like, well, I'm talking from the first draft. So some of this, uh, I, I can see I've got like dot, dot, dots and some almost some code comments in here as to things I may add and things I may remove. But I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. Before we start, though, um, a big apology because I haven't managed to get the episodes out <laughs> as frequently as I would like. They are available on Patreon now. Patreons do get these episodes before anyone else does. And so now Patreons have, they're starting to get a backlog of of episodes before anyone else does on YouTubes or the Spotify's or the iTunes. So, you know, it's a great way to support the show. I'm not doing this intentionally. It is because I just am so busy now with my work that I haven't been able to actually sit down for half an hour and produce thumbnails and titles and all the SEO stuff around the content creation that you need and actually be able to push the publish button. <laughs> because when I put this on Patreon, of course, I just put it out as it is, right, before I do any of that stuff. And the idea, the initial idea was that I would do this every week and therefore the Patreons would get at least a week's worth of content before anyone else does. But now it just seems like they're getting so much compared to anyone else so hey if you want to support the show and you want to get there before anyone else does then then please join patreon.com forward slash how to cope well and of course by the time people listen to this <laughs> out in the wild then hopefully that problem would already be resolved and everyone be be caught up maybe i don't know the next few weeks are looking mad but let's get on with the damn show because hey i ain't no salesman Let's talk about getting into the software development industry and in particular where to actually look for finding work. So I'm going to break this up into three sections. First of all, we're going to be talking about user groups and conferences. Then we're going to be talking about social media. And then after that, I'm going to give you a, a little bit of an insight as to how how to code well actually came to light. And there is a there is a story behind this regarding recruitment. So these are excerpts from the book that I'm currently writing, and it, it's a first draft. So some of this might be in, some of this might be edited, some of this might be removed. Okay, so here we go. All right, so this part is about user groups and conferences. Your local user group is a great place to grow your network. The people attending the user group will have varied skill sets and occupations. It might be surprising to hear, but attendees of a developer user group or conference are not always software developers by trade. Often these groups and conferences are sponsored by companies to provide the venue, food and drinks and entertainment. This is a great opportunity to expand your network outside of the software developer space as you'll be given access to these sponsors. And if you're lucky, you might be able to sit down and talk with some of them. Don't feel bad if instead of listening to a technical talk about the latest trendy code base, you are actually speaking to someone about your career at either a booth or down the venue corridor. So I'm going to just stop there and just talk about an experience that I've had. I haven't put this in the book. Probably I should. But an experience that I had, I went to a conference once. It was it was an international conference and uh, I, I wanted to see some speakers. Some There were some really good speakers and there were some really good talks. But I got sidetracked because when you go to these conferences, there are like these, these sponsor booths, the people who sponsor the conference. And maybe they're talking about like a technology or a solution that they've got uh, about something. I mean, sponsors that I've spoken to like Platform SH, uh, they're like temporal, they're like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are, I mean, I'm not going to list all of them, but they're, they're, there's a lot of sponsors, Symphony, um, yeah, loads, loads and loads and loads. It's a great way to talk to the people who are actually behind those 
those stalls and get an get a sense for what what it is that they they are doing i've spoken to a lot of um, developer advocates at companies who are at the conferences and i've been speaking to them whilst the talks are go on so i go there with the intention of i want to see these talks but actually there in some cases is more value to actually speaking to the people who aren't actually seeing those talks they are sat at the booths and the idea is that you pass your connections right so you pass in your linkedin profile stuff and you just get talking with them and they are there to talk to you right so so don't feel like you have to go and see all the talks and a lot of the time these talks now are online right so you can go back and watch them if you want what you see if you went to the talk you're going to miss out from real human interaction and that i feel is one of the vital parts of going to the conferences and and user groups is having human connection with other developers or other people who are not necessarily in the software developer space because there there could be sponsors there who they are perhaps a um they're not as technical as perhaps your normal web developer agency or your, I don't know, your e-commerce shop. They could be, they could be part of something completely different, but they have a technical aspect. They have a website that needs to be supported. It's just a great way of having, like I said, the the, the human connection, and um, it's for me. As someone who had guests on the show, and I would like to have guests on again, I just need to get the timing right. It was a great way to talk to people and say, hey, you know, you've got a great story. Do you want us to talk about it on the podcast? That was my way in. It was really, and again, you get to put a name to a face. Anyway, I'll go on to the, continue on with the, continue on with the, uh, with the, with the book here. So a conference lunch is also a golden opportunity to make new contacts and expand your network. If you are flying solo as often I, as I'm often doing at these events, then it's best to see if you can mix with others and get out of your comfort zone. For an introvert like me, this does often seem like a challenge, but somehow <laughs> I try and buck up the courage and bounce between crowds to engage with others. However, please don't feel bad for taking time to go back to your room and recharge. For some, social events can seem daunting and tiring. Make sure you look after yourself. So, yeah. I mean, lunches are great because obviously you're with a group of people who you don't necessarily know especially if you go there on your own and you get to you see in the in the in the midst of people you get to see like people who are on their own and they're, they're like still on their own eating something out of a box right that you've been given on the conference uh, I, i'm often one of those people um <laughs> And I try, it's for me, for me, I find it, I, I find it awkward and I, it's a bit cumbersome. I'm quite cumbersome when I come to these things. It's a bit stressful. Um, I, but I try as hard as I can to get out of my comfort zone. I'm there to meet people, right? So, you know, if you go there and you, if you come away from one of these things and you don't have someone's details and you don't have the connection, the human, human element, then in my opinion, it's a bit of a wasted journey. I mean, yes, you may have learned some stuff from a talk, but you're there with human beings. And as a developer, as developers, we, you know, we can be quite siloed in our lives. So I find these user groups and these talks and these conferences as a great way to have that, have that connection with people. And the lunch is, is a great time where you are, around other people right there's often these tables that you can go and stand at sit at and just stand by someone by a and 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 engage in their conversation and i i know that makes it sound so goddamn simple but and it's not it really isn't it really isn't and personally i find it tiring because you talk to many people during the day 
and you just want to decompress at the end of it. However, I've also had some really fantastic dinners with the people that I've seen there. And so you go there not knowing who you're going to speak to sometimes. I go, I often go on my own, right? I often, because, because I'm a contractor and I'm not really in a team as such. It's just, I'm like a, a PHP gun for hire, I suppose. And so I will go off, I'll go abroad to a conference, not even abroad. I've, you know, PHP London, for instance, just, um, you know, two, three hours down the road. And, and yeah, I will, I will see if I can talk to people, but it is difficult because I'm not the, I'm not a social animal as others, as others are. However, the, I, I understand the importance of the connections that we have or can have. And it's these connections, and I bring it back to the whole job thing, right? Connections are really important because when you start talking about what you have done in your experience and you listen to what other people have done in their experience, if you can somehow bring together some parallel in your conversation, then they're going to remember that going forward. And they may put you forward. They may recommend you. You may do the same. And so it's it's really important. It's really important that, that you are able to have those kind of connections. So user groups, conferences are a massive win in my book. Also, um, what you're looking for at these events is to be able to put a name to a face, to gain social media details and email addresses, but most importantly, friendships and connections. As computer programmers, we often forget the human element of what we do, and going to conferences and user groups is a great way to feel more grounded and part of the community. I want to bring it back to the whole getting a software development job, because as I mentioned earlier about sponsors, there are some places that bring in recruitment agents. And I've had some really fantastic conversations with recruitment agents and I, I'm able to speak to speak to them on the phone and I know what they look like because I've been with them. I've shaken their, shook their hands, you know, I've had that connection and that gives me a better sense for what kind of person they are, what kind of candidate they're actually looking for. And I know that if they're going to call me up, then they've had the, already had the conversation. They don't need to know my background because we've had that conversation already. And so, you know, we can start and it's not like a, it's not like a cold call of a recruitment agent. You know, that person because you've, you've had a conversation with that person in real life. And that is, that is really important, really important. I've, I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to go to one of these user groups and actually sit down and have a pint with a recruitment agent. And I, I, that was just, that blew my mind. And you get to hear from their perspective. You get to hear what it is that they are actually looking for in a candidate. And that is gold dust, man. That really is. It's a treat. It really is a treat. So if you are able to go to one of these user groups and go to one of these conferences that have sponsors that perhaps have our recruitment agents, or maybe they are companies looking for developers, then that's fantastic. There's this thing about, you know, business cards are pretty dated these days, and I guess they are because of LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that you, you go there with a nice LinkedIn profile that you can share around. And it, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't see it as carpet bombing, right? You're not spamming these, these, these sponsors, these people at the, the, the booths, you know, you're not just dropping your, your business card here and there. You're actually having proper human conversations with other human beings. It's not cold calls. All right. You're, you're, you get to understand the person behind the telephone. And that is, that is vital. That really is vital. Okay, so we're going to go for a break now, and then we're going to talk about social media and how social media may enable you to get jobs quicker. This show is brought to you by Cloudways. Cloudways is a multi-cloud hosting platform that allows you to choose between the top three cloud platform providers, such as DigitalOcean, AWS, and Google Cloud for your next application. 
Not only that, but Cloudways offers 24-7 support, a load of applications that you can one-click install, different environments, staging environments, and staging and testing is a really important thing that we talk about on this show, the importance of having QA environments, staging environments, not just production environments. It also comes with free SSL certificates, a dedicated firewall, Cloudflare Enterprise CDN, automated backups. The list of things that Cloudways provides is endless. Also, they have a really good learning resources section that you can learn how to use these services on the Cloudways site. Now, do use the Cloudways link that I've got in the show notes below because right now they have a 40% off four months and 40 free migrations. So do check out that. Use the link in the show notes below. You're also going to support the show by doing so at no additional cost to yourself. So right now, at the time of recording, they have a 40% off for four months and 40 free migrations. So do check out Cloudways to host your next application. Social media is obviously a huge deal in getting a job, right? It was less so when I started out, and we'll talk about that more in a minute when I talk about the origins of how to code well. But right now, social media is huge. And recruitment agents use social media a lot. So let's talk about social media and and I'll pull some excerpts from the book that I've got here. So as social media, as the social media space has grown, so has the attitudes of recruitment agencies and online job boards. Platforms such as LinkedIn are effective ways to not only discover your next role, but also to advertise and promote yourself to future employers. The use of social media has also reduced the feedback loops during the shortlisting and hiring process. Candidates can now chat in real time to recruitment agents and even future employers. There are downsides to navigating the job market via social media. One disadvantage is the time required to be seen as always active. Having an engaging social media presence can be hard work as you need to be seen as being involved in discussions and the commentary. Commentary. Of course, you are in control of the time and effort that you put into social media and it is up to you to decide if you're giving and receiving value from your interactions. The two most powerful social media tools are the block button and the ability to pause notifications. So again, going back to some of my experience, I used to be quite hot on social media in this hot. I didn't mean like viral or anything like that, but I mean like, you know, checking it every morning, checking it every night, checking it every lunch break and interacting with people, even though the interactions weren't of any particular value, but it just was something to feed the algorithm. And I, you know, and I've seen it tear people apart. It really have how people try and chase the follow account and it, and they're not actually providing any value and they're not gaining anything and they just end up miserable, but they've got a big follow account, which are probably mostly bots to be fair. So, uh, you know, that was, that was me for a bit. And, uh, I, I'm trying, obviously I've been trying to keep it under control. A lot of it is down to me taking time off of social media. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a case of knowing when to pump the brakes. But in terms of in terms of looking for work, LinkedIn is incredibly powerful, but you don't have to be on it every single day. But it's a great way to show your experience and what it is that you're currently working on right now. It also gives you the opportunity to see the connections that everybody has. So, for example, if you're going to say an interview, then do check the person who you're, who's interviewing you and see if they're on LinkedIn and join and connect with them. Right. It's really important to know who it is, your, your audience. I think we've talked about this before. Know your audience when you're actually sat down in an interview. That is so powerful. Know who is the hiring manager, who is the technical lead, 
try and just see what their profiles are like and what they've worked on before and actually see the company as well and see what they've done in the in the past that is so powerful we have so many tools these days of being online and seeing being more transparent it's it's really important for candidates to to use those tools properly and yes engaging conversations and make it make your presence known on social media but again know when to pump those brakes i go on another issue with social media and the job market are the snake oil salespeople who hound and promise the sky when in reality they have very little to offer after a while you should be able to spot from a mile the the sorry i'll start that again after a while you should be able to spot these from a mile off some of the signs include using the same elaborate wording for multiple job adverts promising things that are for, are for the most part too good to be true and then backpedaling when questioned about certain aspects of the role so again talking from my experience if you see someone try and promote a role through social media using the same language then that is a massive red flag. It's the same with if, if someone sends you an email with the same language from one job to the next job. You know, it's 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 like looking at a very similar spec, but the pay is totally different and some of the skill sets are different. You know, but if they start off with a whole sort of, this is the best role you'll ever see, blah, 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 blah. I'm working with this fantastic client uh, or a, a well-established client of mine and you've been shortlisted, any of those kind of things, if you see copy and paste of various different roles in the job adverts, then be cautious, be be very careful. And also with the social media, we now have the ability to chat to people, direct messaging pretty instantly. And in my experience, when the bad recruitment agents do this, it's it's when they don't give all of the details, the, the important details, the details that perhaps you ask for right at the start. And you have to fish for those because they perhaps know that you're not actually interested, right? Or that's that's a deal breaker. But they try and sell you on the other shiny toys first. And if those shiny toys aren't of any interest to you, but the important questions are like, you know, things like, is this remote or it, how many times do I get offered jobs that are not offered jobs, but given job specs of someone from permanent roles, that kind of stuff. And it's clear, very clear that I'm a contractor. <laughs> it's like, why waste my time? Why just have a look? I've been a contractor for so many years. Why, why would I even consider this role as a, permanent role you know it's it, it boggles my mind and it's the same with people who try and send me jobs that are for java or c and it's just like you can clearly see that i'm not a developer of java or c right but you've offered me this but you've also dangled the carrot in front of my my nose or in my case because i'm not a vegan a nice slab of bacon or some meat saying oh but this also comes with a company car and some brilliant healthcare and some you know all of this and all of that and then when i ask the important question just to double check this is a contract role right and they go oh no it's permanent it's like well why didn't you start with that <laughs> we've just had this conversation for like so many such a long time and you're you know you you've sold me on all the things right that's you know tick 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 but the most important one <laughs> the one that you probably already know is a deal breaker because you've had a look at my profile is that it's a permanent job and i have been a contractor for the last eight years why what <laughs> uh, or you don't tell me all the technical stuff i suddenly i suddenly discover that it's actually a manager's role. <laughs> uh, yes, this happens. This happens. So when you have these messages through LinkedIn or other social medias, I've had this done through Twitter as well. People send me direct messages about certain jobs. 
you want to know precisely what you're after and you want to ask you want to you know maybe it's the three three things that are going to be deal breakers regardless of what it is whatever the job is right you want to just ask these things when someone gets in touch with you just go is it this is it this is it this if not sorry this is what i'm looking for um because then that that just kills the that just destroys the time you know it, it it stops them wasting time and you're also i suppose wasting their time in that sense as well because they really should be focusing their efforts on someone else who is more tailored to the role but i, I do find that that social media is a way for the recruitment agents to carpet bomb the candidates right because they'll just have this chat bot thing that just sends out automated messages to potential candidates and they'll just have these mass conversations going on half the time none of them actually work out and i guess that i've just been you know in this horrible pool of of those chats which is really unfortunate really and you can tell when you are because you go and ask a question and then it takes him bloody ages to get a response back and you're like okay well, I'm obviously not that valuable <laughs> to you because you're you're chatting to someone else who is probably going through the same set of answers. Yuck, yuck. So, yeah, social media is a great thing and it's a bad thing. And it has flipped the script with recruitment because the recruiters are now able to contact you rather than you apply for the job first. Because traditionally it was... Here is a job board and you upload your CV and perhaps you put in your telephone number and your email address. And that was the only way that they would be able to reach you. And usually they would only reach you if you actually fit the bill of the application that you were applying for, unless they had something on the, else on the table before they actually put it out to the job boards. And they called you up before that happened. But typically, that usually only happens when you're actually more established in the industry. Uh, because if you're if 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 it's literally your first role, right, then you don't have any experience. So you're less likely to be called upon before it actually goes out to job boards. But now the fact that social media is here there is the opportunity for, for recruitment agents to send you direct messages. And there are things, automated ways that that's being used. And so that unfortunately has can lead to negativity in the social media space that I've just talked about. Okay, sorry about that. It was a bit negative, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, before we move on, and we need to talk before we get on to the how to code well stuff. I I really recommend if anybody is is wanting to get into this industry or move on into this industry or get into a different role. I highly recommend if you are able to and if you're willing, start up a YouTube channel, start up a blog, start up something that can demonstrate what you do, because that is. It's, it shows your passion, and that is really important. We'll talk about that in a minute, more about that in a minute. But having the ability to demonstrate your learning and your ability is really important. Because if you have something that someone can see, then they have that plus the CV. You then have something that other people don't have. And that it, and and that is the publication, the the thing that you've learnt, and you can demonstrate that it is demonstrable. Okay. So if you're applying for a role, and that role is a well sought after role, then you can use social media, and you can use your your publishing platform, whatever it is, your blog, your YouTube channel, your medium posts, whatever, as a way of discussing and empowering or even teaching other people about your talent and I've certainly used other people's blogs I've certainly used say um, 
Uh, Rob Allen has a really great blog that I've used very frequently. Um, some really good people. Uh, the, the, the Stitcher.io, that is an amazing blog about PHP. So, yeah. If you if you are able to and and it's the the thing is the excuses I hear from people are oh well it's already been it's 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 just it's already been learnt it's already been taught so there's no point in writing a blog about it there's no point in actually writing what I've learnt today but you should be writing it for yourself and not for others and it's the same with these the YouTube videos that I do. I, I try and do them for the audience, obviously, but at the beginning, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I did it for myself. And it actually helped me get into work. And it actually has really proved its its value. It takes a long time to do these videos. It takes a long time to do these podcasts, but there's a value to it. And the value is that potential employers can see who I am they can hear my words and they can see what I can do. They can see me type my code, right? They can see how fast I am. They can see the mistakes I make. They can see how I think. And you can demonstrate that as well through writing, right? So you can you can write about the code that you've learned and where you are in your career. And you and you can write about the, the new tools that you've discovered. And other people may read that and, and gain value from it, which is fantastic. And I can tell you, there's been a, a ton of people who've listened and who've watched my content and they've gained some tremendous value. And I am very grateful for the lovely comments that I get, the frequent comments that I get about how someone has learned code through my courses on YouTube and they've they've really pushed themselves to get jobs and they've used my content as a means of helping them overcome a coding problem or just learn more about the industry before they get into it. And I, I really do find those comments really rewarding. I, I that That is now the sole reason why I do this stuff. It's now nothing to do with me it's to do with the audience whereas before it was all about me um so i tell you what let's get into another break and then we'll talk about the beginnings the origin story of how to code well if you're looking to level up your programming skills or wanting to learn a new programming language then i highly recommend checking out the affiliate link in the show notes below for manning so with manning you can learn programming skills using their online video course platform, or you can buy some of their books. They're both eBooks as well as physical books on all sorts of programming disciplines, such as Python, artificial intelligence, machine learning, testing, SQL, all sorts of various different things. Their bestsellers at the minute are around artificial intelligence, AI powered developer. There is AI assisted data science. There is also learn AI assisted Python programming. And if I was to go to the all products section here, we can see that they have a huge amount of titles that you can choose from, including JavaScript, C Sharp, Go, Spark, Kubernetes, and the reason why I like Manning myself is because I'm actually a Manning author. I've created this Docker in Motion course. It is 135 exercises, five hours and 19 minutes, all teaching you Docker. Now, as a Manning author, I have experienced firsthand how thorough they are when it comes to creating content and resources. So my Docker in Motion course here, it was actually sent out to a lot of Docker devs who were able to advise and help me tweak this course. And they do that with all of their resources. So I really do recommend Manning. And of course, they have a lot of deals on at the minute because we're coming up to Christmas. So this week, buy two or more and save 45%. So do check out Manning. Use the affiliate link in the show notes below. You'll not only help support this channel, but you'll also level up your programming skills. Now, I may have mentioned this a couple of times. I probably mentioned this when I was doing my live streams on Twitch, which, by the way, I, I'm not doing live streams anymore. 
would like to do them at some point, but I'm not doing them now. But I, I am seeing, I'm getting all the notifications, obviously, of people following my Twitch channel. <laughs> Still following my Twitch channel, which is just uh, madness. So thank you for those. And before we get into this, I also just wanted to say a massive thank you to um, to all the listeners out there. Wow. Because, yeah, we are... How to Code Well is now being listened to. The podcast is now being listened to in 82 countries. That scares the life out of me. Because <laughs> when I'm standing here and I'm just speaking into a camera, I don't think that anybody's listening. But obviously, obviously thousands of you are... <laughs> So I, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone before we get into this. The origins, the origins of How to Code Well. Okay, so here we go. Some excerpts from the book that I'm currently writing. Whilst on the hunt for my first foothold in the software development industry, the term social media was still in its infancy. My Facebook and my YouTube accounts were created whilst finishing my university dissertation. I'm 40 next year. So, you know, we're talking many, 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 many years ago because I came out of school and then I did a couple of courses at, at uh, college and then I went into university. So, yeah, you can you can calculate my age when I was how, how long ago that was. OK, I'll get back to it. So at the time I used Facebook, Facebook and other social media platforms of that earlier era as a means of keeping in touch with fellow students and not as a tool of seeking out my next career move. And I say my next career move, at the time I was working in a bike shop. So yeah, <laughs> nothing to do with uh, software development. Whilst I was at university, when I, well, when I got back from uni, the last year I was living in my, at my parents, last sort of half year, I was living at my parents and I was working in a bike shop. And before then, I did, I've worked at uh, restaurants. I've been a kitchen porter. Uh, that's a posh name for saying a dishwasher. I've, uh, I've rolled donuts in sugar. I've done all sorts of crazy stuff when I was, when I was um, studying. It's not all being software, trust me. Okay, so where are we? Even though LinkedIn existed, it wasn't even it wasn't seen as a true competitor of the traditional methods of looking for work. The tra traditional methods back then were job boards and writing letters to people, I guess. The final year of university included a mad rush of writing cover letters, applying for job uh, job adverts online even applying for, to software development roles in newspapers. Countless emails were written and endless conversations with recruitment agents over the telephone. The amount of applications uh, made was probably in the region of 50 to 70 and m most never responded or even acknowledged that I had even applied. That was incredibly disheartening because you spent so long tailoring your CVs and your cover letters to the to the jobs that you're applying for. It took so long. And at the time I was doing my dissertation because I, I wanted to come out of the university with the ability to get into the software development industry. I didn't want any time. I didn't want to work back at the bike shop. I didn't want to to go back to the factories. I didn't want to clean dishes anymore. You know, I had studied and studied for years and years and years. I was t t determined to work in the software development industry, but 50 to 70 applications and most of them never responded or even acknowledged that I had even applied. It sucked. It was exhausting and at the, at times very disheartening. <laughs> But yeah. Oh, you can hear a dog barking. I don't think it's mine. But anyway, I will continue. No, it's not mine. Um, there was a telephone conversation with. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I I've let's <laughs> rewind. Okay, there was one telephone conversation with a recruitment agent that will always be held dear. Unfortunately, I forget the name of the recruitment agency this empathetic and kind agent worked for. He listened to my despair of the countless applications that were submitted and I was trying and, and was trying to give reassurance 
that a job would eventually come to light. He told me to keep patience and to continue applying for whatever software development roles came up. And I'll tell you, when you're a junior dev and you have just come out of university, it, 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 it is a case of applying for anything <laughs> back then. It was just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I just need to get my first foot on the ladder. Finding the first job in the industry was, will always be the hardest, he said. You've got no commercial experience and your portfolio is very similar to others who are fresh fresh out of university. I mean, yeah, I studied the same thing as my fellow students. So my CV was no different from anyone else. I did have some freelance work on the side, but really it was it was few and far between. I mean, I, I did do things on the side for, for pay, paying clients. It wasn't really a lot of paid work. And there were a couple of URLs that I could throw out, but seriously, it was, it was not enough to put my CV above, above others, I don't think. Especially because my uh, grades weren't... I mean, I passed. I got, my I, I, I got my bachelor's degree, but my modules weren't as uh, perhaps as high as I would have liked compared to others and that's the thing you are comparing yourself with very similar candidates at the time and you're also in a pool of people who are far more experienced than you are <laughs> so it was just uh it, it was it was not it was not easy headphones are falling off my head hold on right it's me bald head um <laughs> where i don't know where i am um, blah, blah, blah. Where am I? Okay. Yeah. So he told me to keep patience and to continue applying for whatever software development roles came up. Finding the first job in the industry will always be the hardest. He said, you've got no commercial experience and your portfolio is very similar to others who are fresh out of university. At the end of the conversation, he said something to the effect of that. He wished there was some way that I could demonstrate to the companies I was applying for how well I could code. That weekend, I mulled over that conversation, and in particular, the words he used, how well I could code, and they seemed to get stuck in my head. You can see where this is going. At this time, YouTube was in its infancy. It hosted mostly cat videos and silly dance routines. There wasn't uh, much educational content out there, and at the time, I had no interest in becoming a teacher or, or a a teacher of programming. The plan was to use YouTube, the YouTube platform as a tool to do just what the recruitment agent wanted to demonstrate how well I could code the links to the videos. I could, uh, sorry, the links to the videos could then be added to the CV in the hope that potential employers would see how well I could code. This, I thought, would give me an edge over the other candidates who were applying for the same roles as me. With a small collection of videos uploaded to the How to Code Well YouTube channel, that was born. So, that's how How to Code Well started. It was a recruitment agent who told me that he, he wished there was some way I could demonstrate how well I could code. And I go back to what I was saying before about having a blog or any kind of online presence where you can demonstrate what you do or you demonstrate what you're learning. And when I was doing the videos, I don't know why, but I went into some form of tutor some tutorial thing and I ended up becoming a, an educator. And it was just, I just fell into that. So I go on to say, when the record, record button was pressed, I unknowingly conducted a programming lecture on how to use uh, my, uh, what's that? A database, sorry, database on the command line. I have to rewrite that, write that. Of course, being a teacher was never my intention. After uploading a handful of videos and watching the view count barely budge, I lost hope in the videos and continued applying normally, not wanting to log back into my account. To this day, I have, I still have no idea if creating these videos helped my la helped me land my first job in the software development industry. So even though I did that, I don't know whether they helped get into the industry or not. 
But what I can say is they are certainly helping me now because when I have interviews with people, they've already seen me. They've already heard me because they go and watch my YouTube channel. And that's incredibly powerful. And it can happen with you lot. I mean, if you're writing a blog, they can say, I've, I've read your blog. You know, I've, I've read the things that you're currently getting up to. And that's really powerful. It's a tool. It's, it's something that you, I really urge people to do, to, to, to do. And that is just to, if, if you don't want to be in front of a camera and hardly any people, you know, not a lot of people do, right. It's scary as hell. So if you just write, this is what I learned today. The, these are some commands that I, uh, that I ran, or this is an error that I fixed, you know, put in, put in the error message and then put in, you fix the solution. Or this is how I've set up my system, or this is a review of this particular programming language, or this particular framework, or these are the troubles that I've, I'm facing with this library, and this is how I'm getting around it. Those kind of ways in, right? Okay, so then I go on to say, the YouTube account was left dormant for a few years. Uh, I had started my career as a junior web developer and thought nothing of the videos that I had created years ago. It was only when being asked to upload a video that I wasn't that wasn't even related to programming that I decided to log back into my old YouTube account. So I remember this well. It was one of it was a relative of mine. They wanted to upload a video to YouTube to show something to someone, and I thought, ah, oh, hang on a minute. I have a YouTube account that I created many years ago. I'll log back into it and uh, perhaps I can upload it there. So I logged back into it and I was shocked what I, what I saw. Um, so I go on to say what my dashboard showed me took my breath away. People were watching the videos and not only that, some of the viewers asked questions and wanted to know when the next tutorials were being uploaded. Some even gave suggestions of new tutorials that they wanted to see all of this came as a huge surprise. Suddenly, the meaning and the purpose behind these videos changed. They were no longer selfish attempts to prove uh, prove the potential. They were no longer selfish attempts to prove to potential employers how well I could code. These videos were educational. They benefited the audience and were helping others to get into the industry. They were showing other members of the programming community how to code well. I was genuinely blown away. And I decided that actually I wanted to, I, what are the next uploads had to be done properly, right? It, with the intention of actually continuing on the database class that I had created. So I only, I think I created like a handful of those videos, but I, I wanted to actually finish that as a course. And that's what I did. Uh, and I, I properly sat down and scheduled it out and planned it out and storyboard, I even storyboarded the damn thing. I don't do that now when I do a tutorial, but I, I it was the only way I could think of doing it at the time because I felt like there was, there was obviously a need that those videos were fulfilling. And it was some, a need that I never even understood. I never even know it was there until people were asking. And the view count was very high in my opinion at that, at that time. So that's how How To Code Well started. It's doubtful that the first videos actually did anything to help me get into the industry. But as the channel has grown, it has become very apparent that my career has been helped by the content that has been uploaded. Videos like these show a passion and dedication to the industry. They also show a desire to learn more programming skills. And perhaps more importantly, they show how I communicate. We are going to talk about soft skills and the importance of communication, mentoring and leadership skills in chapter dot, dot, dot. Now the hiring team can see, uh, blah, let's not talk about that because that's going to probably be for one of the next videos, but we're going to, yeah. So this is where things start to get a bit funky in the sense of the book. <laughs> So we'll leave it there. But yeah, basically the takeaway there is that social media is a really powerful tool and also having your own ability to demonstrate what it is that you're currently learning 
and I'm not just talking about your portfolio. I'm talking about a blog. I'm talking about having maybe a YouTube channel or a podcast, something that is demonstrating what you do and can show your passion and your desire to learn more and to be a part of the community and have your own your own presence, your own voice. And with with future employers, they can read that, they can consume that, and they can see how you are as a person. And that is that is really important. It's very important. So there we go. Before we go, I just want to say a massive thank you to the Patreons. We've got David Sprong, Marjain Zamalok, and Am Malik Unrelated. I probably have butchered those names. They're going to be very different from each of the episodes, I'm sure. If you want to support the show, either go to patreon.com forward slash how to code well you will get the episodes before anyone else does and if it's been like it has recently you're going to get a lot of episodes before anyone else does because i just haven't had the opportunity to publish them yet (laughs) you're also going to get the um the knowledge bites so these knowledge bites are little audio snippets when i'm perhaps walking around doing random things. The last one was when I was walking back from the gym and I just basically have a little rant about some specific thing in programming, one of which was around refactoring code. There's also project files on Patreon as well. If you have done any of my courses that you can get some of the project files there another way to support the show of course is through buy me a coffee if you just want to buy me a coffee then head over to buy me a coffee forwards.com forward slash how to code well thank you ever so much for watching and listening i have seen the analytics the spotify do like a spotify wrapped wrapped up or whatever it's called they do that for creators as well as consumers so i've seen the analytics and i am over the moon (laughs) i am over the moon at how well this podcast is doing it's brilliant and it is it's fantastic but please also remember that it's not just spotify if you can head over to itunes and give me a some feedback uh some rate the thing that'll be great it's good for the algorithms and whatnot if you've got any questions if you've got any comments if you've got any thoughts then you know what to do hook me up on twitter or send a comment over on whatever platform you listen to or watch this on. Thank you ever so much. Love you all. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.